Thank you, Pam. The Holy Gospel according to the witness of St. John, the 18th chapter. Our reading begins at verse 28. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom to release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. This is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. So as our Lord stands on trial before Pontius Pilate, um, betrayed, denied, he said that his kingdom was not of this world. And today we're going to meditate on the kingdom of Christ and the lesser kingdom of this earth. We're going to meditate on these two kingdoms in which we find ourselves. And I'm going to ask you a question to help you kind of get in the mindset for the fact that we live with this dual citizenship. Uh, Jenny did not ask any of you to show hands about clean underwear. Thank you, Jenny. Um, But I'm going to ask you to raise your hands, not about undergarments, but about um, some things that happened this morning. Uh, Raise your hand if you uh, made sure the door was locked when you left your house this morning to come to church. Go ahead, raise your hands. Um, You people have some trust issues? Do you need counseling? Uh, Or do you recognize that in this world there are people who aren't Christian who might try to break into your home? So you're going to make it a little difficult for them by locking the door, right? Uh, How many of you turned on an alarm system at home? How many of you... um, locked your cars in the church parking lot. Oh, 
And did any of you, as you're halfway, you know, into the sanctuary, turn around and, you know, like two more times just to make sure? It's really fun to watch the older people because they think they have to kind of like throw that signal. I do it at home with the remote, you know, looking at the flat screen. No! But you, you lock some doors. And rightly so, because we live in a world where some people have no respect for others' property or well-being. They might try to break into your home. Hey, years and years ago, in the middle of the day, I was officiating at a funeral for a World War II veteran. And our plan was after the service, go to the National Cemetery in Santa Fe, then drive back down here for some fellowship, some lunch. And all of us were shocked as we made our way from the sanctuary with the casket, the American flag on it, to the coach, because um, about a third of our cars, mine included, had been broken into in a church parking lot, you know, in the middle of a funeral. And so we did what we needed to do and um, made our way up to Santa Fe. But, you know, the fact that you need to lock doors when you leave your home and lock your car, even in a church parking lot, reminds us that um, we're living in these two realms. We are absolutely part of the kingdom of God through our baptism into Christ. And as long as we live this side of heaven, we're citizens in the kingdom of this world. So we're going we're gonna to meditate on that this morning. And in order to understand uh, more uh, fully what's going on in this conversation between Jesus and Pontius Pilate, we've got to go back in John's gospel to the first time where John records Jesus talking about the kingdom. And it's a very, very different situation than the trial going on. Uh, This is not Jesus bound uh, like a criminal in the morning with an angry mob shouting for him to be crucified. In the third chapter of John's Gospel, it's a secret meeting. It's clandestine. It's happening under the cover of darkness. I'll read for you. There was a man, a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews named Nicodemus. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God. No one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, listen, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said, How can anyone be born again having grown old? Can a person enter a second time into the mother's womb and and be born? Jesus answered, listen, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What's born of flesh is flesh. What's born of spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. So, Jesus said the kingdom of God can be seen. It's perceptible. It's among us. Jesus said the same kingdom can be entered. It's not just out there somewhere in the clouds. We can enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said it happens when we're born from above. And being born from above, according to Christ, is being born of water and spirit. Now it's Nicodemus who gets confused, right? When he thinks Jesus is talking about being born again, a second time, re-entering the the womb, Jesus does not say born again, but born from above. 
And that birth requires spirit and water. And of course, Christ is pointing here to what? Baptism. With every baptism, there's water. And to that water is added the Word of God and the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. And in baptism, the Apostle Paul tells us, we are united with Christ in a death like His so that we can be joined with Him in a resurrection like His. This is the new birth of which Jesus is speaking. And this birth... Uh, is rightly described by Christ as from above because it's not something that we can do for ourselves with our resources here below. This rebirth, it's a result of what God has done for us. This, This being born anew, born from above, it requires, it calls for divine intervention. And that's what we hear about in the very first gospel of John. In order to be born from above, we need a Savior. We need Jesus. We need the one who left the beauty of heaven to take on all of the pain and ugliness of this world. Remember John's gospel, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And in Christ, true man and true God, the kingdom of our Lord was first established right here on earth. And Jesus said, you can see this kingdom. But we don't go looking for it in the ways that some might think. It's a different kind of kingdom. We don't look for the king of kings. We don't look for the birth of this prince of peace in some protected royal palace. Rather, we go, as you know, to a lowly, Manger, a feed box meant for livestock in Bethlehem. We have a king, but we don't expect him to be wearing, you know, a crown of precious uh, gems and metals because we know that our king wore a crown of thorns. And we don't come before a king, you know, seated on some plush earthly throne. We look at the one who is now seated at the right hand of the Father, having suffered the agony of the cross. And we see this stark contrast between the kingdom of our Lord and the kingdom of this world as Jesus is on trial before Pilate. Think about that scene. God in the flesh. Jesus, spotless, sinless Lamb of God, is being treated like a criminal. He's a prisoner. He's already been humiliated. He's being interrogated. And Jesus allows himself to be treated as such. For if his kingdom were of this world, you heard Jesus. If it was worldly power, if it was earthly kingdoms that were at stake, well, Jesus said, there'd be a fight, Pilate. There'd be a struggle. There'd be a battle. My followers would already have their swords in hand and and blood would flow. But the only blood to flow would be that of Christ. Going the way of the cross willingly and obediently, fulfilling the will of his Father perfectly to his last breath. And now, 
we have the, um, the advantage of history. We can look over our shoulders. Pilate seemed to be the one with the power that day, right? Along with the chief priests, the angry mob. But it's only the kingdom of our Lord that has prevailed these 2,000 years. Where is the kingdom of Pontius Pilate? Where is the kingdom of Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor? Well, they're on the ash heap of history, aren't they? We know that worldly kingdoms, leaders, governments, they rise and fall. They come and go. The kingdom of Christ abides forever. And as baptized Christians born anew, we live for a while in these two kingdoms with dual citizenship. All of us had to deal with the realities of this worldly kingdom in a new and challenging way beginning a year ago March when the government ordered everything to be changed. Everything changed with the COVID protocols, did they not? In those months when we were experiencing the most restrictive orders, uh, even though our sanctuary was closed for months, um, our members um, let the pastors know what they thought. Uh, some of our church members criticized your pastors because we didn't take the time to publicly praise our elected and appointed officials for the way in which we were handling the pandemic. And other members criticized your pastors because we did not publicly criticize the government for what they were doing, perceived by many to be heavy-handed and oppressive. We had people on both sides of the aisle when it came to the pandemic and the COVID health orders. On this matter, people in the same congregation disagreed and they disagreed vehemently. That happens sometimes, huh? I imagine it even happens in your own families that sometimes you disagree. But as Christians, as people in the kingdom of Christ, every single one of us, whether we like the protocols or not, had to deal with the changes and restrictions that were placed upon us. And we weren't alone in that. I mean, atheists had to deal with it, agnostics, Buddhists, Sikhs, Hindus. This side of heaven, in the kingdom of this world, we're walking the same streets with all kinds of people. And you already, by your show of hands, demonstrated you know this, because not everyone is someone who loves Jesus and respects your private property. Someone might try to break into your home or car, even while you're at church. So in the kingdom of this world, we're walking the same streets with those people. We're breathing the same air. We rub shoulders in the same grocery stores. And all of us had to deal with all those restrictions, local, state, federal. We had to live in the kingdom of this world with people who don't know Christ, who have yet to be born from above. But as Christians, we are called, even in the most difficult of times, to continue serving the Lord in the world, but not of it. And so we did not stop worshiping God, did we? Even when the government told us we had to close our sanctuary, we kept our Bibles open. We kept praising God through our live broadcast. We continued serving the Lord, honoring God in our homes, 
in our prayer groups. And with our dual citizenship, we did our best to live peaceably with our neighbors during the COVID shutdown, even if we thought it was a wonderful idea or thought it was most oppressive. We serve the King of Kings in our daily discipleship and our ongoing life together for this past year and a half. At our monthly council meeting, just this past Tuesday, Pastor Jerry Watts led us in a powerful opening devotion in which he asked us to consider the witness and the martyrdom of so many of those first century disciples who suffered so greatly for their faith in Jesus Christ and their willingness to announce his kingdom on earth. I may be mistaken, but to my knowledge, not one of us here today has suffered the kind of persecution those first century Christians knew. We don't have to live in the same kind of imminent danger that was theirs. Those first disciples had to live in two kingdoms, heavenly and earthly, as we do. But where they found themselves 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of this world was not friendly, sympathetic, or supportive of their cause as citizens of the kingdom of Christ. So we Christians should not be surprised when we see that same kind of opposition to Jesus and his church today. For we know the lay of the land. And we remember, as we remember in today's gospel reading, the world, worldly powers, people of the world chose a bandit, a thief named Barabbas, and rejected Jesus. This world, with all of its wisdom, all of its power, put the sinless Son of God on a cross to die and let a known criminal walk free. How's that for justice? And in that very moment, brothers and sisters, when Christ is sent the way of the cross and Barabbas is released, we see yet again that the ways of man are not always the ways of God. In fact, worldly powers can be blind to the kingdom of our Lord. Worldly powers can be ignorant of the truth of which Jesus spoke. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, standing right there before Pilate, who couldn't recognize it. I believe that we can and should thank the Lord that we live in a country in which we are free to worship Christ without fear of being arrested. Many Christians in the world today do not know this freedom. We have seen time and again throughout human history how worldly powers can be quite dark. They can give and they can take away. Our worship of and service to the Lord as Christians is a result of being born from above. It's not because we have a birth certificate that says United States citizen, and we don't worship Christ because the government allows us to or even instructs us to. Our discipleship, our life in Christ is spirit-born. It's the Spirit of God who gives us eyes to see Christ at work in the world today. We live with the values of the kingdom of God 
And long before anyone else was talking about who matters and who doesn't matter, in the kingdom of Christ, every life matters. Every individual is loved by God. And everyone, whether they know it or not, is someone for whom Jesus was willing to suffer and die. Today we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. We do it every week. And in that prayer, we'll say exactly what Jesus taught us, including, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. It was good old Martin Luther in the, in the 16th century who helped us understand the meaning of this petition. Luther said, God's kingdom absolutely comes. It certainly comes without our asking. I mean, God does not need us for his kingdom to expand. It comes without our asking. It comes by God's power. But in this prayer, Luther reminded us, we pray that God's kingdom would come among us and through us. So think about what you're praying this morning. You're asking your Father in heaven to use you here on earth in such a way that His kingdom will be known by you and others just might catch a glimpse of the love of Jesus active in the world by your example. What you do, what you say, it matters. And it matters for the sake of the only kingdom that will last forever. I'm thankful to be a citizen of these United States. And before anyone sends a message this afternoon, I'm not putting down the people who live in Norway. I'm sure they're happy to live in Norway. I've got some friends who've retired to the Bahamas. They say it's awesome there. I'm sure Australia is a fine place to live too. I'm thankful to be living in these United States for a lot of reasons. I'm not worried about being arrested having stood in this pulpit today and read openly from the Bible. I'm not going to bed tonight for fear that someone's going to knock down my door and drag me away to be interrogated because someone has turned me in for being a Christ follower. I don't anticipate spending any time in prison during my retirement because I've publicly declared my faith in Almighty God. And yet, as I say those words, you and I know that thousands upon thousands of Christians cannot speak with that same confidence or that same kind of gratitude because they know where they happen to live, it's illegal to worship Jesus. It's, it's against the law to own a Bible. You can't gather with other believers publicly. You've got to do it in hiding. These Christians know they could be arrested at any time. They could be interrogated, tortured, killed. And if you doubt this, if you are unaware of these realities, I've got an organization for you. And they have a website. It's persecutionpersecution.com. The stories about our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world today are not easy to read. And as I read some of the horrific stories about people who've been put to death after, after being tortured, including young people, as difficult as that is to read, I think, what must it be like to experience that? Those Christians remind us of our freedom in, in America and our responsibility to use this freedom faithfully and, and obediently for the sake of Christ's kingdom.
So in a few moments, the pastor will say, go in peace and serve the Lord. And you'll say, thanks be to God. And I want you to remember that when you go in peace to serve the Lord, you go forward with dual citizenship. You are a citizen of this land, this country. And you are a citizen of that far greater kingdom in which death is swallowed up and every tear is wiped away. If you're fortunate, if it's in your genes, if you've been taking care of your earthly temple, you might live to be 80, 90, 100 years. But eventually, somebody's going to give your family an official government certificate of death. And even when the government says, she's dead, it's official, oh yes, he's no longer alive, you will be more alive than ever before as you see your Savior face to face. For you are a citizen of Christ's kingdom forever. You have been marked by the cross of Christ. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. When you go in peace to serve the Lord, remember, you have been born from above so that you can serve your King here below in truth and in spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.